she had an ulcer in her stomach that was bleeding and they've got that stopped and uh, had to get her Coumadin regulated and then she had some fluid. Brother Joe's had a little Coumadin deal this week too, but uh, had to get her uh, uh, fluid off of her lungs and things. Um, she was supposed to come home yesterday. I didn't hear from Brother Jerry yesterday though to see if she did or not. But keep holding, continue to hold her up in prayer for a complete full recovery. And also Mike Settles, I, I haven't talked to him this week. I know he had met with the surgeon, was supposed to have um, some surgery scheduled, but I don't know. It is scheduled. It is not scheduled. Okay, thank you. But uh, you're talking about his mom, Dolores. Okay, well, let's remember her in prayer too, and Mike as well. Uh, for the healing, for healing in their bodies, okay? And then also, also, I want us to pray this morning too for a couple of guys that are, that are going to be leaving us for a while. And um, Dalton and uh, Chase Berg are leaving this afternoon to go to Tennessee to school and uh, start school down there. And uh, we're going to miss them. Uh, I know that, so we want to keep them in prayer. Amen. As they start, you know, they launch out into this new area of life and new endeavor. And uh, Chase is going to be going to welding school for six months. Dalton's going to be going to diesel mechanics school and hydraulics for uh, 13 months. So uh, we're going to miss them. I, these boys have been a part of this church for a long, long time. I can remember the night over the other church. It was on a Sunday night of revival. Rod Vincent was preaching. And these two boys came with tears streaming down their cheeks to the altar that night and gave their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ in that revival. And... Uh, they have been a part of this church, just like I said here a while back. I've, I go through these pictures once in a while, and it's, it's amazing to see these kids that they were little toddlers, and now they're going off to school, you know. I mean, they grow, they've grown up, and uh, praise God. So we want to pray for them as well. But let's just take a moment to pray for Dee and for Mike and for Chase and Dalton. Would you just stretch your hand toward these boys today? Father, we want to thank you so much today for this family, for the Berg family. We thank you for these boys today, what, they've, what they do mean to this church. And Lord, we thank you for your hand that is upon them. And we're asking you, as they begin this new chapter in their life, that your hand would continue to lead them to guide them, to protect them. And God, that, that you would just use them in a great way. Send your angels with them to go before them and to encamp around about them, Lord, to give them safety and protection every day of their life. Keep them in the center of your perfect will, Father, and we will give you the praise for that. And also, Lord, we're asking for your, your, your touch and your healing upon Sister D for a full and complete healing and recovery in her body, for her strength to be recovered, and for Brother Mike Settles as well, and for his mom, Dolores. We ask for healing for them today, Lord, and we believe that we receive it. We believe you to do it today, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we agree together for it, and the church said amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. 
All right, open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of St. Mark. We, we're back in St. Mark again today. We've been, we had a, had a Pentecost Sunday message. Then we had a Father's Day message. And so we're going to get back into Mark's Gospel and studying the life of Jesus on Sunday mornings. And we're going to Mark chapter number 6 today. And we're going to be, I'm going to begin reading with verse 7. I'm going to read Mark chapter 6, and then you might want to find Luke chapter 9. And uh, we're going to, I'm going to read from both of, these, uh, both of these openings. Mark chapter 6 and from Luke chapter 9. If you want to find those in your Bible or on your electronic device, uh, they'll have them, I think, on the screen as well, okay? Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 6, are you there? If you are, say amen. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 7. And he, Jesus, of course he's talking about Jesus, and he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And he commanded them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals. I'd have had a problem with that. I don't really care for sandals. But to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, In whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. There is a day of judgment coming, by the way. Jesus made that very clear. Verse 12, so they went out. Notice this, and so they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed many, anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now in Luke chapter 9, the same, Luke gives the same, um, gives this story as well in, in his gospel. And here's the way Luke says it. Then he called his 12 disciples, Luke 9 and 1, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Those two go together, preaching and healing. Okay? So they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel, here it is again, and healing everywhere. Amen. I want to I talk to you this morning a little bit for a few moments on, on, on Christ reproducing His power within the church. Christ reproducing His power within the church. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together to worship to, to come to this time where we can present the Word of God and preach the Word of God to your people. I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that you would give me the very words that you would have me to say today. 
that would strengthen this congregation. Open up our hearts, Lord, to receive. Open up our ears that we will hear. Give us hearts that are good ground, fertile ground, to receive the seed of your word today. And God, we're believing you for great and mighty things today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Jesus had come to his hometown of Nazareth, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And he had come to his hometown of Nazareth, and um, because of their unbelief, remember that, the Nazareth syndrome we preached on? Because of their unbelief, the divine power of God was restrained in that city. The Bible says in that fifth and sixth verse of that sixth chapter of Mark that Jesus could do no mighty work there except that He laid His hands on a few sick people and healed them, and He marveled because of their unbelief. Matthew 13, 58, Matthew says that He, that he didn't do any, many mighty works. He could do, no many, he could do not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So that was, that was there in Nazareth, in his hometown, a place where unbelief, the unbelief of the people, had totally, completely paralyzed the power of God, where the Lord Jesus was even limited as to what he could do, where his hands were tied, uh, so to speak. And I know people say, well, that's not possible to limit the Lord or to tie the hands of God that God can do anything, Jesus can do anything He wants to do. Well, He is sovereign, He can do anything He wants to do, but He's chosen to work in our lives and, and, behalf, and in our behalf according to our faith, as we believe Him, as we put faith in Him. If, if He could just act uh, and do what He wanted to do without faith, He'd just save the whole world, whether they believed or not. And actually, there's some people believe that that's what He's going to do, but... That's not the case. Faith is, is, is something that's very necessary. So the unbelief of Nazareth totally paralyzed the power of God in that city where he could do no mighty works there. He laid his hands on just a few sick people and healed, healed them. And he marveled. Jesus marveled because of the unbelief of the city. But now here we read that Jesus sends out his 12 disciples uh, and he gives them power and authority, the Bible says, over demons and over disease. And he sends them out to do something. He sends them out now to preach and to heal and to deliver and to set people, to set people free. Now, now, rather than the power of God being restrained as it was in Nazareth, the divine power of God is now being reproduced in the lives of these 12 disciples. Can you see that? Here we see in Nazareth the power of God limited and restrained, but now we see Jesus reproducing the power of God in the lives of his 12 disciples. And he sends them out two by two, not only to teach and to preach, which that was their, their commission as well, but he sent them not only to teach and to preach, but to also do miracles and to penetrate the hearts of the people, the hard hearts of the people. He was using these 12 men to increase his effectiveness 
to plow the ground of the people's hard hearts before him so that, so that they would be more receptive to the seed of the word of God that was sown in their hearts and in their lives. And the Bible says there in that 13th verse of Mark 6 that they went out and they did what Jesus commissioned them to do. They went out and they, they did preach, but it says that they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Luke says in Luke 9 and 6, so they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So the Lord now is, is multiplying himself by where, you know, before it was just where he could go. These guys have been with him for quite a while now. They've been observing the Lord. He's been teaching them. They've been sitting at his feet. And now it's time for him to commission them to go out into the ministry, into the regions around. And so there's six groups, two, two uh, in each group, that he sends out to preach and to heal and to cast out demons and to do miracles and to set people free. So he's now reproducing his ministry in the lives of these 12 men. Now, you know, if we were putting a ministry team together, uh, I don't, we probably would not have chosen this bunch of guys. Are you with me? We probably would not have chosen them. But Jesus, after spending a whole night in prayer, these are the ones that Jesus chose to be his disciples. I mean, in this group were, were several fishermen. There was a former tax collector. Uh, there was a couple of them there that got nicknamed Sons of Thunder because they were so quick-tempered. And then one in this group even turns out to be a devil and a backstabber and a traitor. Amen? This group of guys lacked spiritual understanding, they lacked humility, they lacked commitment. They, 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 they have trouble getting along with one another. Did you ever notice that when you're reading through the Gospels? I mean, th these 12 guys spending a lot of time together and they have trouble getting along with one another. They uh, are always arguing. There's arguments all the time about which one of them is better than the other, and which one's the better preacher, which one's the greatest. And they're always missing the point. Did you ever notice Notice that, that when Jesus is teaching, here's his disciples, they're always missing the point of what Jesus is trying to teach. And they're always saying the wrong thing. And the Lord's always having to correct them. But you know what? And we probably wouldn't have chose this group. We probably would have kicked some of them out a long time before, you know, before now. But in spite of all their flaws, in spite of all their weaknesses, in spite of all that, that wrong with them, Jesus still takes these 12 men and uses them for his glory to turn the world upside down and to change people's lives. That tells me there's some hope for me and there's some hope for you. Amen. Praise God. I mean, if Jesus can take these 12 guys and use them the way he did and change their life and, uh, and, and give them the ministry that, that, that he gave them, then he can use you and I. I always, like, I always loved to read, and I was reading again this week when we were down at the lake, again through First and Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians, I always loved that first chapter where, where, where Paul said that if you'll notice that, that there, there's not many mighty according to the 
flesh that are called, not many wise, but God has chosen the foolish things and the base things and the things that are not to confound the wise and the things that are. And every time I read that passage of Scripture, I say, I say, I found myself, praise God, I found myself because I'm one of those base guys, you know, one of those, those, those guys that, you know, like, like Peter and John, they were just fishermen. It said that they, they took knowledge of them, that they were unlearned and ignorant men, but they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. See, Jesus is the one that makes all the difference in the world. Amen? So Jesus takes these 12 disciples and He sends them out. He calls them to Himself and He sends them out on a mission. Verse 7 said that he called the twelve to himself and he began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Now the Greek word there send to, uh, that is translated send out in that seventh verse is the word apostello which means apostle. We get our English word apostle. Here's where they became apostles because he, was, he had sent them out. And that's what an apostle is, is a sent one. And the definition of an apostle is to send forth as an ambassador on a commission to represent another and to perform some task. Now we are not apostles today uh, in the same sense that they were in the Bible or the original 12 were. But we are sent forth as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? Amen. We are sent forth, sent ones to represent the Lord Jesus Christ and to carry out a work for Him. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representing Jesus in this earth and uh, you know we're to go forth and to tell others about the Lord and to do the work of the ministry. Actually what I'm doing here as your pastor this morning is equipping you. That's one of the, that's one of the works that the pastor, evangelist, teacher and uh, uh, you know the fivefold ministry does is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So when you come together and I teach and preach and spit and sputter and scream and holler, I'm, I'm teaching you to, to, uh, to equip you. I'm doing my best by the help of the Holy Spirit to equip you to go out from here and you do the work of the ministry on your job and in this community and everywhere you go. That's how this thing's supposed to work. Come on, amen. We don't, just, we don't just come together and enjoy the music and the singing and the, and the worship and the praise and enjoy the blessings of God and then forget about it. We're called to be ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ and to be witnesses for Him. Amen? So He sent them out. And I want you to notice how Jesus sent them. Jesus sent them, first of all, it said that he sent them out in pairs. Did you notice that? He sent them out two by two. Well, why would he do that? Well, number one, when he sent them out two by two, that does, I believe that shows the power that there is in unity. And how many knows there is power in unity today? 
Praise God. We need the unity of the saints within the body of Christ. God can do so much in the church, in the body of Christ, when, when there's unity within the body. Amen? When there's division, the Lord has a problem doing something in, in, the, in, the, in a home or in a church or anywhere else. So there must be unity. And this shows the, the power of unity of two believers together. This also fulfilled the requirement of the law because under the law, the Bible said in Deuteronomy that every testimony was to be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. But mainly, I believe that they, they, he sent them out in pairs because together, two of them together would have, number one, they would have greater power in prayer and they would be able to encourage one another because the Bible says that iron sharpeneth iron. Isn't that right? Do you know something I want you to know? I want, I want, to, I want to tell you something. Do you know something? We need one another. We need each other. Amen. Praise God. I need you and you need me and we all need one another. Nobody, nobody is, is to just isolate themselves and just to be a loner or on their own. You need somebody to be an encouragement to you and to be a help to you and to pray with you. Amen. Jesus said that if any two, he was talking about the power of united prayer. In Matthew 18, 19, he said, if any two of you on earth shall agree as touching anything they shall ask it shall be done for them of my father which is in heaven so he shows the power of unity there in prayer we, we, we see all through the Bible you know the Bible says that one can chase a thousand but two will put ten thousand to flight see the power that is generated and multiplied and increased when we come together as one. Amen. In unity, one with another. Hallelujah. See, we need each other. You need, you need a brother or sister to, to help pick you up and to lift you up when you're down because there is power, there is strength, and there is safety in numbers. Can I get an amen? Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says this. This is what the wise man Solomon said. He said, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if the, Here's why two are better than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. See, there's power there. You, you, you remember when, when Elijah got under that juniper tree and he began to moan the blues and he began to pray to die and he got so discouraged and he said, Lord, there isn't anybody else that's saved but me. I'm the only one that's left. Why don't you just take me on to heaven? I, I'm, I've had enough. Remember that? He was so discouraged. You know why he got there? If you read a little further, it said that he left his servant at Beersheba and he went on a ways by himself. He isolated himself. He got alone. Listen, that's why everybody, and I know, I know there's those that say, hey, I can make it and I don't need a church. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a church service. I can be saved without going to church. Well, let me tell you something. You, everybody needs a church. 
Everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs that, that coming together as a local congregation because there is power in that unity. That's why Jesus sent them out two by two. This was also a practice that the early church kept up. Paul and Barnabas and then Paul and Silas. And you read in the book of Acts, they went out too. They went out together, two of them together. Nobody went out on their own. They always had somebody. Why? Because two is better than one. We are to bear one another's burdens. We are to help one another when we're in trouble. We're to pray one for another. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. So we see he sent them out with, in, in pairs. But the second thing that Jesus did, and I love this, is that he also sent them out with power. Oh, hallelujah. When he sent them out, the Bible says that he gave them power over unclean spirits. Luke 9 says, Luke 9 and 1 says that he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure disease. And I don't, have, I don't mind telling you that when I was studying this, I got a little bit excited about this. Because here was, here was Jesus giving power and authority to his disciples to represent him with power. See, that's how, listen to me, saints, that is how the Lord wants us, his church, to represent him in this world today. He does not want us to try to represent him being dead and lifeless and powerless. Amen. He wants a church that has the power of God and to represent Him in power. Mark says that Jesus gave them power over unclean spirits. Then Luke adds, adds power and authority. said that He gave them power and authority over all demons. And can I tell you something this morning? That the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can give this kind of power, who can give this kind of authority, and it is power and it's authority. Notice what it says, over all demons, power and authority. He gave it to those 12, and I'm telling you today, He has given to the church, to the body of Christ, power and authority over the works of the devil. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The word power in the Greek is dunamis. It means ability and might. It means mighty works and deeds. And then that word authority, which is also translated power from time to time, is the Greek word exousia, which means delegated power. It's the right to exercise power. It's, it refers to authority, legal power. What is authority? Authority is, is legal power or the right to command or to act in behalf of someone else. And I, I gave that illustration here on a Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about prayer, about the police officer that will stand out there directing traffic and he just has to hold his hand up and he'll stop Davy in that 18-wheeler coming down through there, you know. He'd just put his hand up and, and we would hope he would stop. I would think he would. But it's not because that police officer has more physical power than that 18-wheeler or that car or anything else, but it's because he's wearing that 
uniform and he's got on that badge and he's been given authority by his city. He's been given authority by his state to stand there and you better obey that authority. And see, that's the way it is with the Lord. He has given authority to his disciples and he's given authority to the church. It's delegated authority that we have to use against the powers of darkness and the powers of the devil. Let me tell you something today, saints of God, there's no, it it just should not be that the powers of darkness just, just run roughshod over the church. It should not be that demon spirits are constantly tormenting God's people. It should not be. That's not the will of God. Satan and his cohorts, his, his, his minions do not have power and authority over the saints of God and over the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on, amen. Hallelujah, it's delegated authority. He gave them that authority over Satan's kingdom of darkness. And whatever those disciples, when they went out from there, whatever those disciples said for those demons to do, the demons had to do it. I said the demons had to obey. I said the demons, when they told them to come out, they had to come out. Yes, sir. Come on. Woo! We'll find an instance later on in a few weeks in, in Mark chapter 9 where they ran into a snag. But listen... He gave them that authority. And when they commanded the demons, the demons had to obey. Why? Because the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ was behind them. That was before the cross. I mean, we're on this side of the cross now. Jesus gave them, even gave them the ability and the right to use his name before the cross. And uh, it had effect on demon spirits and demon powers. You remember when those 70 came back, he had appointed 70 a little later, and those 70 came back rejoicing, and they say, Jesus said, what are you all so, so happy about? And they said, well, even the demons are subject to us through your name. And Jesus said to them, don't rejoice. And that was, that's the fact. Before the cross even, they used his name against demon spirits. We was talking a while ago about speaking to mountains. You got to tell the devil. You got to, you got to take authority over him. In the name of Jesus, you've got the power of the name, the power of the blood, the power of the word, the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to say amen. Hallelujah. They said, even demons are subject to us through your name. And Jesus said to them, he said, listen, he said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, over all, over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Praise God. But then he said, don't rejoice because the demons are subject to you, but you need to rejoice because your name's written in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Praise God. He gave them authority. See, listen, listen. These 12 men were an extension of Jesus as they went everywhere and they ministered. Jesus was literally multiplying himself when he sent his disciples out with his power, with his authority. Now, you remember, you know, in the first chapter of, of, um, first chapter of Mark, Jesus had cast out a demon spirit 
there in the synagogue. And then again, in the fifth chapter of Mark, Jesus had cast out a legion of demons. You remember that? I mean, used His authority and His power to cast them out. And the people were amazed. In that synagogue, they marveled at the authority that Jesus had when He spoke and demons had to leave that individual. But now Jesus is doing something else. Now He's given His authority. That same power, listen, are you listening to me? That same power and that same authority that He used in the synagogue when he, when he called that demon out and the demon had to leave when Jesus said go, that same power and authority that He used in Gadara when the wild maniac from Gadara came with the legion of demons and Jesus said go and they had to go. That same power and that, that same authority He's now delegated to His disciples and, and and that power now is being reproduced in these 12 men to be His representatives everywhere they go. So now Jesus can be, in, He's in one place, but now six other cities can now have the same ministry going on at the same time, praise God, because these 12 men have gone out in the power and the authority that Jesus Christ Himself was ministering in. I, I hope you know it. Can, can anybody see where we're going with this? Amen? He was reproducing His power in the lives of these representatives. Now Jesus made an amazing statement. We know this verse. It's John 14, 12. And He made it such an amazing verse of Scripture and I think we just kind of cast it aside sometimes. And we said, well I've heard this all my life. Yeah, I've heard it. But John 14, 12 says this. He said, Jesus said this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me. How many believes in Jesus? Woo! He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do. Why? Because I go to my Father. Greater works than these. The works that I do. Somebody said, somebody said one time, you know, so well, how can we do greater works than Jesus? Well, I think the first thing we need to be concerned about is first doing the works he did. Amen. <laughs> but the greater works, I don't believe he's talking about doing greater miracles, but I believe the greater works are the fact that he would be reproducing his, his power and his ministry into the others. So there would be, you know, Jesus could be in one place at one time. But oh, now he that believes on me because I'm going back to the Father, he that believes on me, he, he will do great, they will do greater works. Why? Because they're more spread out. They're in more places. They're they're not just in one city or one town or one place at one time, but I will reproduce my power and authority in each one of those believers so they can go forth and do the works that I've called them to do. Amen? That's such an amazing statement. Amen? See, Jesus said, because I go to the Father. Well, he went to the cross and died, didn't he? He went to the cross and died. They put him in the tomb. He was buried, but on the third day, he didn't stay dead, glory be to God. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended 
to the right hand of the Father. And when he got back to the right hand of the Father, what did he do? He sent back the Holy Ghost. He sent back. He told them before, when, when they were in that upper room before he went to the cross, he told them there, he said, listen, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you powerless. I'm going to send back the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit to, from heaven to empower you. And he did just that. Hallelujah. He sent back the Holy Spirit from heaven to empower that church to touch the lives of men and women for him. And we today are to serve the Lord with his own divine power in 2019 in this day in which we live today. There are so many that, say, that are saying today the power of God is obsolete, that the miracles have subsided, that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased, that, that, that there's no more miracles. But I'm here to tell you today that the Lord Jesus Christ sent back the power of the Holy Ghost and he has never, ever in one scripture ever said that that power would cease or stop until the perfect age comes, which is the rapture of the church. As long as we're here, as long as we're in this earth, we need the power of the Holy Ghost so that the life and ministry of Jesus can be reproduced in the church today. Woo! I'm gonna tell you something. If the life and ministry of Jesus and the power of Christ that he intends for the church to have would be reproduced within the church in this day, we would not, they would not need laser lights in the church. They would not need a laser light show. They would not need rock and roll music. Come on, somebody. Because the power of Almighty God would draw people. Hallelujah. Healing and miracles were always in the New Testament. Always the calling card and the invitation of the lost to come to Amen. Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I hope I'm talking to a Pentecostal church that believes this. Amen. He gave them power. In the Greek text, the, the verb is in the imperfect tense, which means that he... It wasn't something that he just did one time, but it means that he kept on giving the power all through their ministry tour. So it was a limitless supply of power, and that power is available to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today. What did he say? We all know this verse, Acts 1 and 8. Jesus told them, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be, after you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's how important it is that we have the power of the Holy Ghost. See the, the, the disciples, these 12 disciples had an outside force, an outside source of their power. Jesus delegated it to them and gave it to them. But today, in this day and hour in which we live, we've got inside information. We've got an inside source. Jesus said to them, that speaking of the Holy Spirit, He is with you, but He shall be in you. And can I tell you, the shall be is today. He lives in us. Hallelujah! 
That word dunamis that is translated power means a dynamo. It's a power that, that just continuously recreates itself on the inside of us. Hallelujah! It's the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I wish that I was preaching to a church today that would get hungry again for a move of Almighty God and for the power of God and for the ministry of the Lord Jesus to be manifested within the church one more time. Hallelujah! It has not passed away, but he is still the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. Can I get an amen? Woo! That was the beginning. When Jesus gave these disciples power and authority over demons and disease, that was the beginning. It represented the beginning, only the beginning of the New Testament program. Not the end of it, but only the beginning. The book of Acts. The book of Acts. I guess I'm still stuck on Pentecost Sunday. The book of Acts is the one book that is still being written or supposed to be. The book of Acts doesn't end with the end. Amen. It doesn't stop. Amen. But it's still going on. Amen. That, that's, that Jesus... You know, Luke, when he wrote Acts in that first chapter, he talked about, he said, he, he wrote to Theophilus and he said, uh, he was writing concerning all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. So that was the beginning of the ministry of the church. It was to continue now through disciples, 120 in that upper room who received the baptism in the Holy Ghost and went out from that upper room empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. They went out and preached with power. They went out and did signs and wonders and miracles by the power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because, because the power of God was being re, uh, recreated and, and represented within their lives and within the church. Jesus gave five signs that would follow believers when before he ascended. He said these signs, Mark 16, he said these signs will follow them that believe in my name. He didn't say these signs will follow the apostle. He didn't say these signs will follow the pastor. He didn't say these signs will follow the prophet or the evangelist. He said these signs will follow who? Those who believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They shall take up serpents and they shall who? Believers. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah! And then the Bible said there that the Lord was taken up and seated at the right hand of God. But verse 20 said, so then, and they went, went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. What did they do? They went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with thee and through thee, accompany signs that were to follow them. Woo! A lot of signs following the church today. No smoking signs. 
That's not the signs we're talking about. There are to be signs that continue to follow. See, that was the norm in the New Testament church, and it should still be the norm today. Can I get an amen? The book of Acts, you've heard me say this before, but it's true. Because we go to bookstores today. I don't go to bookstores anymore. Most of them are closing down because of Amazon. (laughs) But the last bookstore I went to uh, down in Cape, I think it was the Lifeway store, and, and it's just shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves of books that are meaningless. To me, you know, it's on church growth and how to do this and how to do that. And to that, to, to, you know, to, to some people that may mean something to them. But I believe that this book right here and the book of Acts, the book of Acts is the pattern for the church was the pattern then, and it is the pattern now for the church. The sad thing is that there's very few churches that are seeking to carry on the program that's been laid down by the Lord Jesus Christ for His church. But let me tell you something. It, it is still, as Zechariah said in Zechariah when he prophesied it in Zechariah 4, 6, it is still not by might nor by power, but it is by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. See, we must have the power of the Spirit. Our life and our church and our ministry must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is and must always be the priority here at Abundant Life Family Church that we are full of the Spirit and the power of God to reproduce this ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that He gave to that early church just as He reproduced His ministry in the lives of these disciples. Does that make any sense to anybody? Amen. So He sent them out in pairs. i got to close. He sent them out in pairs. He sent them out with power. And he sent them out promising provision. You know, and I won't touch, I'll just touch on this, but he commanded them what? To take nothing for their journey. Except a staff, a walking stick, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts. um, Just to wear some sandals, not to take two coats with them. And uh, he said, whatever place you enter, you know, stay there till you depart from that place. What was he telling them? Why was he telling them? Don't, don't make all these preparations. What he was telling them, I'm sending you out into the ministry to do my work and I will provide for you. You will be taken care of and you will be provided for and you won't have to worry about saving up before you go for a rainy day because if you're doing my work that I've called you and commissioned you to do, I'm going to see to it that your needs are provided for. Amen? And you know what? They were because in Luke 22, he asked them, Jesus asked them a little later. He said, when I sent you guys out without a staff and without a code and all that. Uh, did you lack anything? And you know what their answer was? Lord, we didn't lack a thing. We were well taken care of. Come on, amen. Oh, hallelujah. I know people today have said, well, you're going to have to trim the message. You're going to have to, uh, you know, to cut back on allowing the gifts of the Spirit to operate in the church So, because people just won't come. People will get embarrassed and they'll just go to somewhere else where it's a little more quiet and a little more laid down. Preacher, you got to stop running up and down the aisles when you preach because you might scare folks. Amen. Oh, can I tell you something today? Can I tell you something? As long as we're 
we're doing the work of Christ, as long as we're doing the ministry of Christ here at Abundant Life Family Church. He will bless us. He will provide for us. He will take care of every single need that we have. For 16 years since the inception of this church, the Lord has never failed to bless us. There's been times I've been tempted, you know, and the temptation is there. You, you need to not preach so hard. You need to, you know, ease up a little bit. You need to get a little more reserved and stand behind the pulpit. No, sir. I've tried that and I just about explode. <laughs> But I can tell you for these 16 years, this church has never wanted or lacked for anything. God has always taken care of us. God has always provided for us. Why? Why? Because we're doing our best to reproduce the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in Farmington, Missouri. Amen. To be what God would have us to be. To do what God would have us to do. I'm not trying to be like the next church down the street. I'm not trying to copy the church that's really packing them in and growing. I'm not trying to be like them. Amen. But Paul said we're not wise if we compare ourselves with others. Amen. I just pray and I want, I tell the Lord make Abundant Life Family Church the church that you want, that you want us to be. Make us the full gospel, Holy Ghost filled, Pentecostal church that you've called us to be. Let us preach what you give us to preach. Let us teach what you give us to preach. And as we fulfill your ministry and your call, then we won't have to want for anything he will provide for every need. Woo! Hallelujah. He sent them out in Paris. He sent them out with power. He sent them out with promise of provision. And then he sent them out with a warning. Are you with me? He sent them out with a warning to be prepared for rejection. Can I preach just a few more minutes? He sent them out to be prepared for rejection. Verse 11, he said, And whosoever will not receive you or hear you. That's why I'm not trying to be the popular preacher. Paul said that if I seek to please men, I would stop being the servant of Christ. God did not call us to be men pleasers. He called us to be God pleasers and to preach the gospel of Jesus. Jesus sent these men out, empowered them against demon spirits and sickness, and he said, go out and preach, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead even, and whosoever will not receive you or hear you, when you depart from there, Just shake the dust off of your feet as you're leaving town as a testimony against them. He didn't say, well, just go and say, you know, I really didn't mean that. I'm really sorry. I really didn't mean that. Maybe we can make a compromise here. No, no, no. If they don't receive what you say and you're preaching the truth, just shake off the dust. Is that what he said? There can be, there can be what he said, there can be no compromise. 
What he's saying is there will be rejection. But shake the dust off of your feet as a testimony against them. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that city. See, the primary message of the disciples, they went out preaching about Jesus. They preached the kingdom of God. They preached a message of hope, healing, salvation, and deliverance. But not everyone would receive that message. And those who rejected that message, the offer, uh, the message of the offer of salvation, if they rejected that, then they were giving, given a message of judgment. See, listen, the message of the church today, in this late hour, the message of the church is also a message of hope. We have a message of hope. We have a message of salvation. We preach the message of the cross, which is the hope for this world. And all who will believe that message and receive that message will be saved, will be set free, will deli be delivered from the powers of darkness. All that who will receive that message can be, can be healed by the power of God. Amen. Because Jesus will only honor, God will only honor us as our faith is in Jesus and in the finished work of Calvary. But not everyone, not everyone is going to receive that message. And, the, and so, so those who will believe and those who will receive will have eternal life. We today want to do our best to point people to heaven. But we must also, listen to me this morning, we must also, as we preach Jesus and lift Him up and preach eternal life and preach the cross, we must also warn those who reject that good news that judgment and hell does await them. You cannot spurn Jesus and the message of Calvary and escape the judgment of God. Now nobody likes that message today. And that's not popular preaching today. And we're ridiculed for preaching that there is a literal place called hell where lost souls will suffer for eternity. But I'm going to tell you something this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Let the world... Let the world kick against that message all they want to. Let them accuse us of being out of step with the modern church all they want to. Let them scoff at our pleas for them to turn from their sins and come to Jesus. Let them scoff and ridicule and say we're haters and bigots. So let them say whatever they want to say. Let them say what they will. But I'm telling you the truth of God's word still stands. This does not change. It is the same and the Lord's not compromising this book for you or for me or for anybody else. There will be those who will accept, but there will be those who will scoff, and there will be those who reject, and there is persecution that is coming to America for the Christian church. It's already begun. Already begun. You better pray. You better pray. Yes, sir. Somebody, one preacher that I know said here a while back, he said, every four years I lose a bunch of people when it comes election time. <laughs> That's not my intention, but you better pray about yes, the 2020 sir. election. Yes, you better pray and you better vote the way, you better vote for righteousness. Right. Exactly. Glory to God forever. Yes, sir. Listen, listen, I just got this this morning. So this is fresh off the presses. In the latest, and this just happened in California this week. Some of you all may have already heard about it. California, of course, they said they're the trendsetters. 
In the last and most egregious example of attempted government overreach, California legislators have proposed a bill that would dictate what pastors preach from the pulpit. Specifically, it's Assembly Concurrent Resolution 99, ACR 99. And it calls on counselors, pastors, religious workers, educators, and institutions with great moral influence to stop perpetuating the idea that something is wrong with the LGBT identities or with sexual behavior. ACR 99 also condemns attempts to change unwanted same-sex action or gender confusion as unethical, harmful, and leading to high rates of suicide. We're not supposed to tell them that. Put another way, these legislators are telling pastors and spiritual leaders to throw out the Bible, disregard the Lord's will, ignore the testimony of thousands of ex-gays, and conform to an extreme political correctness or else. Well, it'll just have to be or else. Are you listening? It'll just have to be or else. It'll just have to be or else. Hallelujah. 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 They may reject the message. They may reject the message. But Jesus said if they reject the message, just shake the dust off and keep on going. Come on, somebody. Just shake the dust off and keep on going and keep on preaching. There is, listen, saints, there is. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. That is our testimony. Our testimony today and our message is a testimony and a message of deliverance to those who receive it. It's a testimony of damnation to those who reject it. And they went out and they preached. Verse 12 said, they preached. These disciples went out and preached that people should repent. And let me just make this as plain as I can make it today. The message has has not changed. The message has not changed. The Lord, listen, the Lord still commands sinners to repent of their sins if they want to be saved. God, Paul said one time, winked at ignorance, but not anymore. He commands all men everywhere to repent. That means to have a change of mind, a change of heart, and to turn around. It's not compromising with the LGBT. It's not compromising with the alcoholic. It's not compromising with the fornicator. It's telling them that you must repent and turn away from sin and turn to Jesus Christ and he will save you and he will set you free. Genuine repentance will change a person's life in radical and radical and powerful way. Worship team, make your way back. I've preached a little longer than what I wanted to but I had to to get that out. 